Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. Let me start by saying that for some of you, it may have been apparent that Kaldheim was unable to to really fully pursue its themes. It's a very heavily stuffed set. There is a lot going on. And for some people, myself included, I don't know, it was a little bit unfortunate that we didn't get to see all of the themes on Commanders. How do, how do you feel about that? No, I agree with that. I think that they kind of made promises and didn't keep them. Yeah, especially with us seeing the set booster contents first and getting a feel that, oh, there's going to be like a tribal angel theme or a tribal giant theme. And then unfortunately, like not really seeing those fully realized in the set. So today we're going to be showcasing some designs from our listeners that sort of try to tackle this problem, sort of try to provide the tribal designs that we're missing from Kaldheim. And uh, beyond that, we also just have some some cool ones, not necessarily tied to Kaldheim, but that I think were really interesting and would add some new archetypes to the format. Yes. So before you continue, if you are on Wizards R&D, please stop listening because I would like some of these cards to exist one day. <laughs> so if you if you make magic cards in real life, turn, turn away, listen to a different episode. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but if you are just interested in custom card design, custom commander design, want to see potentially like where the format could expand, then please, by all means, keep listening. But before we jump into the designs, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. All right. With that, do you want to jump into some of these designs? Yeah. So I think the first ones we're going to talk about are from friend of the show, Alex Whiteclay. So one of the things that Kaldheim really failed to deliver on was this promise of a good angel, like black-white angel list. So Alex submitted this design. This is does not currently have a name, but it is a 4-3 flying angel for one white, white, black, so four CMC. They have white, black, destroy target non-token angel, then return that creature card from a graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, The angel enters under its owner's control. So this is a pretty simple design, and I think there's a lot you can do with it. Do you want to kind of get into it a little bit? Yeah, I, I really like the flavor of this. I mean, it's essentially a blink ability, but... It does a couple things really well. For one, it works with that new card from Kaldheim that is essentially like a grave pact for angels. Mm-hmm. Um, it also is really flavorful. It's got this sense of rebirth about it. But really, it's a blink ability, and it works really well with a lot of the ETB angels. One that comes to mind in particular is like Sunblast Angel would be awesome in this list because you can just repeatedly blink it and just continually wipe your opponent's creatures as soon as they turn sideways yeah i think that that's something that they've done a lot in the last decade (laughs) maybe (laughs) they've printed a lot of angels that have really cool etbs or angels that reward etbs and on top of that like putting in like a maskwood nexus or something into this list too and like all of a sudden your utility creatures that got you to the point 
or you can cast more of your angels, your core cartographers or whatever, getting you even more value. Like, I think that's a cool hook to build off of. So not only do you get to play with all these cool angels, like this list actually has room for branching out and tech that isn't just a bunch of changelings, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is cool. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to highlight a couple of the more cool angels you can be hitting with this ability, like Angel of Despair, the classic black-white angel is so good with this. Also, if you have like a fair amount of mana floating around, you can do stack tricks with something like an Angel of Serenity, where like with its Enter the Battlefield trigger on the stack, you can then target it with your commander's ability. The Leaves the Battle trigger will happen, will resolve first, and then those three targets are permanently exiled. Uh, And then another really nice one is Resolute Archangel, which uh, when it enters the battlefield resets your life total. So if you're able to quote unquote blink it with your commander, then you're just pretty much impervious to whatever your opponents are trying to do. Yeah, so a lot of really cool tech. uh, And I think the other design too that Alex submitted is also pretty on point for the tribe he was designing it for. Do you mind if I get into this one too? Go for it. So this one also was submitted without a name, but they are a 5-4 legendary creature giant for 4 mana, 2 blue-red. They have giant spells you cast cost 1 blue-red less to cast for each instant and each sorcery you have cast this turn. So there's actually a lot going on with that really simple line of text there. Yeah, absolutely. I really like the batching they've done recently, and I think this sort of plays into it. Because like with Zendikar Rising, we saw sort of a batch of like wizards, instants, and sorceries. And here it's like a similar type of batch where you're recognizing that if your creature type is concentrated in red-blue, then you're, you're naturally going to want to gravitate toward a Spellslinger list. And so this enables you to um, sort of play both cards in the same deck and not feel like they're competing, but really feel like they're synergizing. Yeah, I think that's something that I I was expecting to see more batching post-Dominaria, but specifically like where they list out the batch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I don't think we've really, except for Historic, uh, seen that technology used, but we have seen like like with the giants and the spells with agar and stuff like that like groupings of types of cards used together or like put these cards in this deck with this and it'll help out like if you play this cantrip then it's better with giants stuff like that so i think that's an interesting space to take design and i think what alex is doing here is kind of like the next step like more directly calling out hey you're going to want something to do before you cast your six and seven drop giants, why not this? <laughs> like, why not cast some incense and sorceries? Yeah. And, you know, I think this reward is so perfect for the tribe. Giants are just naturally pretty expensive. They tend to be beefy and have correspondingly high mana costs. But I also like that um, this sort of nat- this ability sort of naturally plays into cards that will help you stretch the the low number of like really strong giants in your color identity yeah definitely like there just aren't a whole lot of really good giants in commander so you know maybe you could find 20 25 good ones but if you're playing a deck that runs like a lot of 
cheap rummaging spells, cheap looting spells, cantrips. You know, if you're running Brainstorm, Preordain, Faithless Looting, all those sorts of cards, you're going to be able to not only like see your good giants more consistently because you're able to dig for them better, but you're also going to be generating mana essentially, which can be spent on these giants. So it really works out in just making the deck run smoothly. You feel like your your ponders and such are really contributing to the deck's game plan along multiple axes. You're not just like spinning your wheels. You're um, you're building towards something, and I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that most like successful tribal lists have, and even like like a changeling list that like kind of hits the note will have this where you start with like one creature of the tribe and you you build up and you build up your board and you 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 feel like this sense of progress as you're like executing on your game plan with azuri that's like okay i can make 20 mana now like let's overrun my elves a bunch of times with um like unish that's like i'm chaining all of these like changelings or sphinxes together or whatever it is like there's a sense that like things are moving and i'm gaining momentum as the game is going on Mm -hmm. and i think that this does that really well and one of the things too about this reward is that you can only cast so many giants before you got to reload so the instants and sorceries in the list really feed into that game plan also of like draw more giants cast these spells that like let me rummage through my list and get to the good spells so that i can get more free giants and it it really as the game goes on feels like you're kind of getting away with something when getting away with something might just be a hamlet back goliath (laughs) yeah which is which is cool that's fun that's awesome yeah so i think this is a really cool design um and it would have been awesome to see something like this in caldheim um just to really you know (laughs) yeah just to, to fit all those other giant tribal cards into a single deck yeah so actually can i read off this next one this is one of my favorite designs that we got sure go for it there's a few really cool ones this episode so this one is from addison um thank you for the submission um i think this was on discord and i uh love it so much so this is uh Wayneff the sublime this is an angel tribal commander so they are a four three angel with flying and vigilance for five mana two white 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 they have, whenever Wayneff the Sublime attacks, each opponent may pay three generic. For each opponent who does not, search your library for an angel creature card and put it onto the battlefield untapped and attacking that player. If you search your library this way, shuffle it afterwards. I love this design. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think this is really cool. I think if Wizards was going to print it, it would be three white, white, white because they'd be afraid of it. But I think everything else about this is spot on. I think it's fair at five, too, because attacking on turn six with a four, three, mm-hmm. <laughs> like if your opponents can't deal with it or they can't keep three mana up, then that's fine. There's also not a lot of angels that I don't think there's any one shot robot angels, you know, like, yeah, the it- best thing that's going to come at you is like a six, six. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think this is a really appropriate design. I think it's perfectly in white's color pie. I think it does what white does really well of like, oh, this is your fault. You were why we're suffering now. <laughs> not not me. You had a chance I mean, to prevent this. You should have just paid the three. Exactly. So I, I think this is a great design. Yeah, I think this is a really big upgrade over Lyra Dawnbringer in terms of white angel commanders. It's super flavorful for white. It makes a lot of sense. And 
there's a lot of fun stuff you can do with it. Like your opponent has no idea what you're going to get. And there is a, a big enough toolbox of angels that you can really surprise them, do a lot of things. Like, you know, as we mentioned with that previous angel tribal commander, if you get your sunblast angel, uh, it comes in on tap. This card itself has vigilance. So you can potentially like blow out all your opponent's creatures while leaving a lot of your angels unscathed. You can get your resolute archangel or reset your life total. Or you can get something like an Emeria Shepherd, just get this reanimation angel going. You could get an Avacyn, protect your angels. There's just so many different useful effects on angels that this guy can help you set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, like I love that this lets you build around something. Like This lets you put all the really big, expensive, splashy angels in your list, but in a way that feels really fair and it feels like if you are getting away with something you can kind of point your finger at like an opponent and go hey like this is your fault you didn't pay the three and now avison's here that's on you bud (laughs) and i i love that that's like the most white thing (laughs) yeah that you could do it's so cool do you think it's an do you think it's an issue that it synergizes so well with mass land destruction <laughs> no, because I think that I feel like that was built into white when magic was more about 20 life formats. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that this guy continues that tradition, like, I don't think it necessarily matters too much. You know, like, I, I, people are going to Armageddon if they want to Armageddon, and they're not going to Armageddon if they don't want to, you know? So going Wayneff into turn six armageddon there's other commanders that do th- like just guy narset could do similar things and you don't even have to set up a lot of the time so it i think it's fine there there's a a lot of really stupid things going on in commander <laughs> okay all right just just want to get your opinion on that all right uh we've got another angel tribal design from addison this one is white black it is castiel karmic eraser Two white black for a 3-3 legendary creature angel. It has flying and vigilance. And whenever an angel you control deals combat damage to a player, prevent that damage and you gain that many experience counters. Then if you have 20 or more experience counters, you lose all experience counters and exile target player. You can also remove an experience counter from Castile's controller. And the next angel you cast this turn costs white black less to cast. Yeah, I think it's a lot of words for a really simple concept. Um, basically, there's this tension where you want your you want to hit to get experience counters to make your angels cheaper, so that you can hit to kill someone. <laughs> and um, I think that gameplay is fun. Um, I think that this plays really interestingly with what's his face the other white black experience counter commander because like obviously on the surface like the angel aspect of this card is really cool and interesting but the fact that you could just sit at like 16 experience counters and like crank out 16 16 enchantment token oh yeah <laughs> that's sick that was i was like that's that's pretty cool so like if your commander costs eight or something like that and all of a sudden you're stuck at 12 experience counters who cares there's like another plan going on for for that commander but on the surface i think this kind of puts a clock on the game in a way that is pretty fair it kind of turns commander from like a 40 life format for your opponents to like back to a 20 life format 
for your opponents. Mm -hmm. Basically, your angel counters deal the extra 20 damage to the players that you were attacking because you need the 20 damage to get the counters in the first place to remove them to kill someone. So it, it I think it's just like a cool space to put this kind of tribal mechanic into that interacts with so many things interestingly. The fact that they don't actually lose life means that like if Castiel dies, they're still at like 40, <laughs> you know, like I th I think this is a really interesting way to do this and um kind of flavorful in that it's like I'm making my rule and I'm going to play by it. Yeah, uh it's neat it's that it's kind of playing into the same space as Angel of Destiny from Zendikar Rising, mm -hmm. which has that ability like whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you and that player each gain that much life, but it's also got that win condition tied to you having a really high life total. So I like that it kind of feels nicer in a way. They're leaving you untouched, but it's building towards this towards this like orbital laser that's, yeah. that's just charging. So it's really, really unique, interesting flavor there. And I like that it also addresses the high mana cost of a lot of your angels. It makes it a lot easier to get them down. I think it might be nice if it sort of took a page from that giant tribal commander we saw earlier and made it so your angels cost generic and then white and black less to play just because there's some angels that are like five and a white or something like that yeah where where this is just not going to provide a lot of of cost reduction for it's not going to make a dent on those types of costs yeah this card like when i saw it it made me think of like bayonetta or something like that with like these like quote like holy warriors coming down and like blasting you with lasers and stuff <laughs> so i thought this was awesome and awesome design and a cool take on a tribal build and i think using a mechanic i didn't expect like i, I really wasn't expecting to see experience counters <laughs> yeah when we were getting tribal submissions yeah really uh really cool use of of old technology there mm -hmm. so i think we're moving into just some cool designs at this point um, yeah I, I... they're so cool <laughs> Yeah, so um, three, three Smith on Tumblr um, linked me to a bunch of their commander designs, and a lot of them are just so cool. Would love to have these in the format. So I think we can just jump in and start and start talking about these. Mm -hmm. The first one is Zookeep the Menagerist. It is, or maybe Zookeep. Of course. Oh yeah, of course. Zookeep the Menagerist. <laughs> it's spelled Z U Q I P. Yeah. One green, white for a 2 2 legendary creature, human advisor. It has hexproof. Zookeep gets plus one plus one for each creature type among non human creatures you control. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, if it doesn't share a creature type with any other creature on the battlefield, draw a card. Well, so I, cool. <laughs> yeah. I think you can sort of guess where I would want to take this build. <laughs> like when I whenever I see like do something draw a card that just flips a switch for me and I think like okay what is the cheapest possible like I've clearly I've solved for cards if I'm using this subset of magic. So how do I solve for mana? What's the cheapest possible things that can trigger this ability? That's what's running through my head when I see that line of text and I kind of don't care as much about the fact that it pumps itself or whatever. Yeah. I mean the the fact that it 
ends up being a big beater is cool. You can run um, overwhelming stampede or like other things that scale off of power to either draw more cards or deal more damage or whatever. But I don't know how I, you maybe already did this, but I don't know how I would scry fall search this, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's actually funny for a completely different reason. I was trying to figure out, you know, it's almost like kismet. Um, a couple days ago, I was trying to figure out like which were the creature types with the least members. Uh, <laughs> and so that information just like was perfectly slotted into like, oh, this is I've already done all the research to figure out how to build this deck. Um, That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So, well, first off, let's talk about like how you're solving for mana in this deck. So the the two things that immediately came to mind were Tangle Root, which is three mana artifact. Uh, whenever you cast a creature spell, add green to your mana pool, or rather add green. And the other is Earthcraft, which is one and a green for an enchantment. Tap an untapped creature you control, untap target basic land. So either of those are going to make it so that any creature you cast will net a card, or sorry, will net a mana. Well, actually not net a mana, will produce a mana. So yeah. potentially, you know, if you're playing a zero cost creature then you'll net a mana if you're or it will like allow one cost creature to pay for itself but there are just so so many creatures with rare types that are going to fit that condition um so like did you know for a fact or, or did you know that there was only one wolverine in magic uh it's a deep wood wolverine <laughs> it costs a single green mana so that's perfect for this deck charging badger costs a single green mana it's also a rare creature type Almighty Brushwag costs a single yeah. green mana. There's just many, many rare types like that that are, are kind of perfect for this list. And in addition to like setting up those like mana new those those cards that allow your creatures to be mana neutral, I would also look into things like Beast Whisperer, um, Guardian Project, and even something mm -hmm. like Season of Growth or Hazaret's Monument that'll just make it more easy for you to combo off. Because even if half of your deck is these creatures with rare types, you know, the other half of the cards in your deck are not going to help you combo <laughs> off. So anything you can do to make it so that you're drawing two cards or maybe like scrying and then drawing a card or uh, mm -hmm. drawing and then rummaging, uh, anything you can do like that will just make it much more easy for you to combo off. And once you've got pretty much your your entire deck onto the battlefield then from there winning is kind of kind i mean of, it should be easy at that yeah, point yeah <laughs> i mean you can just like then drop a gaia's cradle and like crater hoof and concordant crossroads and that'll probably do the trick yep classic classic oh. green haste card yeah one thing i would one note i have for this card is uh i i don't like the hex proof on it oh yeah just the non-interactiveness of it. Yeah, I, th I think like compared to something like Tulane, this definitely, you know, the reward isn't quite as good. You don't have access to as many colors and you are a, limited to a, a smaller subset of creatures, but you can interact with Tulane and that's not the case here. I, I think especially because it's such a powerful combo engine, I just wouldn't want it to be something that your opponents can't deal with yeah that they need some way to yeah get around like way too many edicts or something like that yeah no i totally can see that 
I think I understand the the purpose of the hexproof there, like the wanting of the hexproof there, but I totally agree with you. I think like Julian does cost five. <laughs> yeah. Like it is it is a much more powerful trigger, but it is also a much more interactable and takes a little bit longer to get moving. That said, I think this is a, a cool deck and uh it's a it's a type of tribal we've never really seen before. So really interesting thought process there. And it's man, it's it's so cool that there exists a design that can get cards like Deepwood Wolverine into the format. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, it's so funny. One thing that I think is kind of funny about Zookeep's design is that if there is any changeling on the battlefield, your entire deck just shuts down completely. Yeah. So if there's like an Orvar deck in your metagame or somebody's running Morophon, then maybe maybe keep this one in, in the deck box. Oh, that is really fun. I didn't realize there was any other creature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so your opponents could possibly shut it off by playing a Chupacabra or something like that. Or I guess Chupacabra is really only in black, but you know what I mean? Like some griffin or something. Well, I so I don't think that'll be as much of an issue because like you would have to be playing your own griffin in order to not get the bonus when mm-hmm. that griffin enters the battlefield but you just don't want to be playing anything that shares a type with anything your opponents could be doing so like so no elves <laughs> yeah so like uh i mean humans obviously because zookeep is a human but yeah elves unfortunately are not going to be very very useful in this list that's really funny that's really cool actually I guess, should we move on to the next one? Sure. This is Aelin Mox Exquisite Jeweler. It's a single green mana for a 1-2 legendary creature elf artificer. Uh, she has tap, discard a land card, choose a color, create a colorless artifact token with tap, add one mana of the chosen color. Uh, what, what do you think about this card? I think this is really interesting. Green has gotten a little bit more artifact interaction just because they've had to figure out what green does on sets like Kaldheim and and weirdly with like the splicers on New Phyrexia or oh, Commander oh, Legends and stuff. Kaladesh. Oh, Kaladesh. Yes, thank you. Because, yeah, they have these like sets where there's a lot of... You have to have all five colors of magic and they're like, well, what do we do with green on this artifact plane? <laughs> and so the green over the years of this building up has gotten a little bit more tech to work with in that regard. And I think this is actually one of the really interesting ones because like it's also putting lands in your graveyard so like not only are you able to create these tokens that are basically moxes that produce mana for you 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 can also interact with kind of discarding cards cards in your graveyard lands in your graveyard specifically and uh, that also kind of provides like a different hook to build off of so i I think this card is really cool i want to hear what what you were building with it (laughs) yeah i just like that it is essentially allowing you i mean if you have a way to recur lands from your graveyard it's essentially allowing you to make two land drops per turn Mm -hmm. um you know you definitely you have that hoop of like well i need the life from the loam or the ramenop excavator or the crucible worlds or the splendid reclamation or the groundskeeper or whatever but once you have something like that and of course a lot of those are easy to search out um with greens creature tutors but once you have something like that then you're just really able to to power ahead on your mana production and do so in a way that's it's not as protected as like lands 
you know, because mm-hmm. there is plenty of artifact destruction in the format, but it's still something a lot less fragile than mana dorks. And so that's going to make it so that you're more resilient to board wipes with your your mana ramp. And uh, it, it, this card also like could have could see some play in like get rog monster lists because mm-hmm. you're you know you're looting or you're rummaging away a card and you're also getting something useful out of it. Mm-hmm. But I, re- I really like this design, and I I think it might be a little bit pushed at a single mana, but. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it is really cool, and I would like to to see it in the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that th- there's also cards that this could feed. So, like, yes, you could build up your mana with it, but you could also, like, lands to pitch in green is pretty trivial. Um, so, like, things that sack artifacts are also things you can do with it. So, like, your late game might be some kind of, like, grinding station win con or something. Like, so I, I think this does build into an interesting deck, and this does... I think this would add something to the format. This would play in a way that green has been tangential to, but never quite all the way <laughs> picked up on, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, cool. I thought this was a great design. All right. Uh, moving on to the next one. This is Zyzath the Pain Leech. One black red for a zero two legendary creature leech. While a spell you control is resolving, you control each player that spell targets and each player that controls one of its targets. Whenever another player you control is dealt damage, you lose that much life and draw that many cards. So this is a a really bizarre design. I would <laughs> I, I would guess that it's somewhat inspired by Opposition Agent. Yeah. Um, but gosh, I'm sure there's a lot more to do with this card. But the very first thing that came to mind for me was like just looking at that second ability. If you just cast a burn spell, if you just cat like bolt somebody's face, you're gonna draw three cards and lose three life. And wow, that is so powerful. Yeah, that's really strong. Like I, I know that there's a lot of other goofy things you can do with this this first ability. Um, but just the 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 raw card draw potential of the things available in your color identity, I would have to imagine that that's going to overshadow it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I also agree. Like the, just how many cards they printed over the years that are like one mana deal three or like two mana deal four to a player, like something like that. uh, (laughs) I think this deck would kind of rip through its own life total and its own library pretty quickly. And I think the first ability, like, I think there's there's interesting ramifications of it because I think you get to, like, look at their hand and stuff, right? Like, yeah. if you're controlling a player. So, like, there's a lot of advantages, like, subtle advantages you get from stuff like that. Um, if they have instants, I'm assuming you could cast those instants too. Stuff like that. So I, I see the technology or, like, where this is coming from in regards to, like, the design and, like, making the design work instead of just saying like whenever an instant or sorcery deals damage to like an opponent draw and lose that much life. I, I just so, want to say, I don't think you can cast their instance because I don't think you can cast spells while another spell is resolving unless it specifically oh. says it was part of the text. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But something that came to mind is like an edict effect. You know, if you say, if you cast something that says target opponent sacrifices a creature, 
like you get to choose what they are sacrificing that mm. comes to mind as something that seems really strong yeah that does seem really strong <laughs> you're like mm, yes the big hex proof one not the sapperling <laughs> yeah god is so, there anything that says target player sacrifices a permanent that would be i think there's i mean there's so painful Ooh, that's a good <laughs> good question <laughs> I know there's target player sacks of permanent at random. I know those spells exist because they keep trying to make that work in red and it doesn't, it's not, it's not going to work. Oh yeah. Or just honestly, like God, discard spells seem so yeah. good. Yeah. Discard seems really good. The edicts like just, seem really good. Yeah. Just like single, like just like a Raven's crime, single mana uh, with retrace uh, target player discards a card. Like you get to choose. It's it's just like repeatable thought sees. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, pretty uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. So the, this it seems like there's a lot you can do with this card. I would argue that because of how powerful and and potentially unfun it could be, um <laughs> maybe this needs its mana cost bumped up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that this is definitely pushed, but I think that this design could exist on like a higher CMC card or something like that. Like I, I do think that there's room in the format for something like this. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Can I read off this last one? Because I think this is my favorite design. <laughs> sure, go for it. This is the Crystal Labyrinth. This is a 0-7 uh, defender, a legendary artifact creature wall for four mana, one white, blue, black. Whenever a creature you don't control attacks, you may tap an untapped wall you control. If you do, reselect which player or planeswalker that creature is attacking. Uh, it can't attack its controller or its controller's planeswalkers. It's just some reminder text on it. Whenever a creature becomes blocked by one or more walls you control, its controller may sacrifice it if they don't draw a card. So I think this is a very different incentive to build a defender deck than like Arcades, which is very much like a positive reinforcement like i play my defender i draw my card uh i play my defender i draw my card i attack i alpha strike i whatever i'm gonna do this one is much more like walls as control like walls as i think people think about walls a lot of the time Mm -hmm. yeah this is definitely an interesting take i like that it plays with into i like that it plays into the wall the way walls naturally play rather than trying to convert walls into something else yeah yeah Um, for sure and of course like i like that it can go along two different axes depending or like it can behave in two different ways depending on whether you make your opponents attack your attack each other or attack you so like you can refill your hand if you need to you can use your opponent's creatures in that way by making them attack you or you can just use your walls as like a really powerful deterrent, sort of like a a uh, what's it called, mystic barrier. Oh yeah, just like attack left. You're going left, bud. Yeah, um, just sort of a way to protect you. So the the one thing I dislike about this design is just how it's so reliant on what your opponents are doing. If they're playing like a creature light list, then this is going to be really limited in its effectiveness whereas arcades doesn't have that problem you know if your opponents are off doing their own thing maybe they're playing creature list decks that's fine you don't care you still have plenty to do Mm -hmm. no i definitely agree with that i think that the 
appeal of this card for players are going to be for the players where they <laughs> they like being passive. <laughs> <laughs> like I think part so this is not me in particular. I'm not someone who's like super into defenders or defender matters or things like that, but I think one of the appeals of like defender cards and defender matter cards is the fact that it's just like a big chunk of ice or like here's a a big wall of cinders or whatever it might be. Like here's a wall of fire and it it's there and there it is. (laughs) Um, So I think that people who maybe would have seen walls in like alpha or something like that, might get excited about this kind of design because I think you're right. I think insofar as power level and uh, plan, like a plan to execute on yourself, that doesn't really go further than put a bunch of walls into your list. But uh, I think this is exciting for people that want to just sit there (laughs) with their big like wall of frost or whatever, or their wall of denial and just <laughs> not, not think about things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's a great point. All right, I, I think that's all we have to say about these designs that we've received recently. Thank you to everyone who submitted. Um, we always love seeing cool, innovative designs like these and, and designs that sort of fill in the gaps when Wizards isn't able to sort of fully deliver on all the themes in their sets. But really appreciate everyone who sent something in and we're going to be having more opportunities like these in the future. So if if your design didn't get featured now, there's a good chance it can be in the future. Just feel free to um, shoot us a message on Twitter or Tumblr, um, or you can always uh, become a patron and join our discord. And and we've got a whole custom cards channel for talking about designs like these. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty active. <laughs> yeah. There's there's usually a lot of traction there. So um, if you have like something to to submit or you want an opinion on a design that you've created, I would highly recommend it. And also just everyone in our Discord is really great. <laughs> and the discussion is always really awesome. So I, I would recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. But with that, I think I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Mason, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, David, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jason, Kyle, Jerry, Brandon, Eamon, Kevin, Matthew, Jamie, Russell, Kaidel, Jeremy, Walter, John, and John. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commandertheory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.